Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. WEEI.com presents Boston Bruins postgame podcasts. Brought to you by AT&T, Ken Laird, Bruins reporter DJ Bean. Bruins win it tonight in Raleigh over the Carolina Hurricanes 4-1 DJ. They've won 8 of the last 12, and they've won 3 of 4, including a couple over playoff teams. Carolina, a you know team that's kind of on the bubble right now. But in general, how are they playing with one game remaining until the trade deadline coming up on Monday? I mean, well enough. Commendable. I mean, well enough for what they are, I, I should say. Commendable job that they're going out and, and getting these wins. I, I think that when you see in the uh, starting with the last game when they had, they had to move away from more balanced pairings and quote unquote load up with Charon McQuaid, that's kind of a, an eye opener to kind of where this team is. That it, it's still really even when guys are healthy, it's still uh, a diminished product and, and not one that's going to make a super long run, certainly not past the Eastern Conference Finals if it were to get there. So, um, I mean, if the things are coming along, I'm still not super optimistic that they're anything better than uh, a pretty good team in a pretty bad division. So it's, it's kind of what they are, and uh, they can make the uh, the call on some of these pieces coming up accordingly. Like in the Pittsburgh win, they got outshot, outcoursied, but did matter, right? They got the better of the chances, or at least they buried them. Tuka Rask was great. Tonight, the Spooner line and the Bergeron line, of course, were, were in control on their respective play. And uh, Matt Bolesky with two more goals. That's two of the last three games he's had two, right? Yeah. And, I mean, and the biggest thing for me um, is Rask, which is silly because, I mean, we're, we're, we just named some guys like Matt Bolesky, whose production can kind of waver, and Rask is probably uh, among the more consistent players that, that you have. I mean, he's never going to be terrible. He might not always play like he played like he's played the last two games, but uh, I'm most encouraged that when they get into these types of situations where they have to, I saw the, the way you put it on Twitter, which is rope-a-dope, that when they have to rope-a-dope, uh, that even with this defense, Rask is good enough to hold down the fort and only allow one goal. I mean, both of these games have been one-goal games essentially the whole way, or at least one-goal games late before uh, the Bruins open it up. You give credit to the Bruins for opening it up late in these last two games, but for the most part, these games have been very close games where the other team has kind of been taking it to you chances-wise, and because of your goaltender, you're able to hang in it. Not a lot of other fledgling teams that are in this sort of situation that the Bruins are not a lot of them can say that about their goaltending. Obviously, they're better in other areas, but I mean, it, it says something for Rask. The, the Bolesky goals, the first one was not a good goal from Cam Ward to allow. The second one was, was pretty good work by Hayes and Spooner to get it loose to him. But in the end, he buries him 13 goals now. And as uh, one of the guys you were going back and forth with on Twitter, I guess Ian McLaren was saying, you know, one goal shy of Lucic in L.A. for a lot less money. Is that a legit comparison? We've talked about this on Sunday Skate before. I mean, like, was he the Lucic replacement or not? Well, he was the Lucic replacement, but they knew that he wasn't going to be Lucic. I mean, I've written written about the Lucic comparison a million times, uh, but 
he'll get you similar production or close to it. I mean, that was the hope when they signed him, that is he going to be the um, the wrecking ball that Miral Lucic is? And you know what? Maybe with the, that stupid god-awful stat hits, maybe because of the he is. But... Um, but, I mean, really, watching Lucic and how he wears down opponents, I mean, Bolesky is a tiring guy to play against. I'm not doubting that at all. But when you think of really daunting players to oppose, and, I mean, Lucic is a bigger guy, so maybe that's a big part of it as well. But, I mean, there's only one Milan Lucic. So uh, I, I would rather have Milan Lucic than Matt Bolesky. But for the price, for the money, for similar production, yeah, it's it was a it was a smart move to get rid of Milan Lucic and uh, and spend what two point two million dollars less a year, um, even more than that when you consider that maybe Lucic's cap it will go up on his next contract. Uh, is Napoleski Milan Lucic no was the right move getting rid of Milan Lucic and replacing with Napoleski? I think absolutely spread the wealth a little bit. Of course, Bolesky as of now not playing on the top six, but of course that might change in the next couple of days. We've buried the lead. Go ahead. But you know what, with, with the way that, that Lucic was performing at times last season, you could argue whether or not he was even a top-six guy. I mean, if, That's I, if, fair. I've, got, if I've got him on my, my team, he's a top-six guy. But uh, certainly when you look at the production, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are differing opinions on whether or not a guy who – I mean, what, Lucic is at 15 this season, 20 goals, yeah, that's a, that's a top-six guy. But um, – when he struggles the way that he has at times over the years, you can wonder how much longer is this guy going to be a top six guy. I guess, although he's playing with Kopitar on a top line with LA, which is which is obviously a good team. But yeah, you can that, yeah. you can parse that a lot of different ways. What what about Erickson's future? What's the latest? Everybody wants to know here as we're getting ready for the Monday deadline. And uh, boy, this this thing's going right down to the wire as we thought it might. Yeah. So the uh, the Bruins up their offer. They were three years, though, so I would hope they would up that offer because um, a, a guy who's going to be 31 to start next season this is his last chance to cash in, unless they were offering astronomical dollars. And although I I, I am kind of aware of, of what the, the term situation is, I don't know what the dollars situation is, so I can only speculate there. But when they were offering three, unless the the dollars were insanely high, like over seven. They would have to know that, that he wasn't going to take that. So they've recently upped to four. Um, Erickson's camp, my guess, is not going to take that. Um, I think that they need at least five, and we'll see if the Bruins get there. I will say this. Um, the Bruins have not told Erickson's camp at this point that if you don't sign, we're definitely going to trade you. So, I mean, there's that. The, uh, the options still exists for them to hold on to him. My my gut feeling kind of all along has been that they'll take it towards the, to the last minute, towards the last minute, um, maybe even up to Monday, and then eventually move him. But that is just a total, that, that's total speculation on my part. Uh, my guess is it, it, that they won't come to terms on a new contract. But, again, total, total guess. They're still talking. They're going to talk tomorrow. We'll see. I just look. I, I mean, I guess I just look at um, at where they kind of are right now, and the fact that someone very close to the negotiations today told me that they're still not close on either term or dollars. So, unless 
it's one of the sides' plan to really, really cave at the last minute. It doesn't look like anything close enough yet, but they've got a couple of days. Yeah, it's a shame, though. If, if he enjoys playing in Boston and the Bruins like him, if it, let's say they're offering 4-24 and 24 or something and, and he wants 5-35, and 35, you, you would think they'd find a compromise, right? Like 4-28 and yeah, 28 or 5-30. and 30, so. Here's the thing. We don't know that. We don't – I mean, I – I, I've had some updates along the way with this process. Uh, Darren Drager has had some updates along the way with the process. And uh, unless I'm mistaken, I certainly haven't learned anything about the dollars. Uh, I haven't seen anyone report anything about the dollars. So for all we know, I don't want to say it's, it's uh, posturing or pandering, but maybe the, the Bruins came with a low-ball three-year offer, and now they bump it up to four years, but the dollars still – but they're, they're offering, like, something like five a year. And, again, this is speculating on my part, but we don't know for sure that, although the Bruins are upping their offer, that they're necessarily throwing big money at them. Fair. Uh, yeah, I guess Kevin Paul DuPont had speculated, you know, 5 and 35. He may just be guessing on that as well. Um, well, I mean, and then you get to, okay, let's say they come to no deal, and would you just ride them out? Um, it would almost be like the Bruins making their own trade deadline acquisition to keep Erickson, like giving up a first and a prospect that they would get back to keep him and take a little run, get some playoff experience, get some playoff gate, and then maybe try to sign him anyway after the year. So, uh, you know, I know some well, fans don't want to hear that, but that, that that actually wouldn't be the worst thing to me. Well, that's the question for me. Do they not necessarily sign? Because it, it really never, from, from what I've heard uh, early on in the process was, it wasn't that they were going to trade him if they couldn't him. It was that they were going to trade him if they didn't think there was enough common ground. If they if they were going to trade him if they thought that they couldn't sign him, they can still get past this trade deadline thinking we'll be able to sign him or we're close enough or, or we've we've made up enough of this ground. Right. So that possibility still exists, and I think that people are forgetting that that if you if you keep him past the deadline, that uh, that you're going to lose him for nothing there's a better chance that you're going to lose him for nothing, but that's not a certainty. Um, so, yeah, uh, for me, I would say either sign him before the deadline or, or move him. Um, and I know that it's, I've kind of gone back and forth on this because the Eastern Conference is so bad that you could take something of a run, but I've now seen that the prices are as high as they usually are for rentals. Um, you see Andrew Ladd go for a first, and a prospect and a potential uh, future pick, that's a pretty good haul. I mean, it's a Blackhawks first-round pick isn't great. It's going to be at the end of the first round. You're, I mean, it, it's not much better than an early second-round pick. And at that point in the draft, second-round picks and late first-round picks, like, I, like I'd rather have two second-round picks than a late first-round pick, you know? So, yep. um, so, yeah, I mean, it depends on the opponent. It depends on what you get back. But if you can get a lot back, I'm still open to trading him because then you do have a ton of cap space. You don't have to worry about the Martian thing. You don't have to worry about the Krug thing. But, I mean, I'm all open for getting creative, for, for putting Erickson out there if you're not going to sign him, uh, for putting a lot of these guys out there if you're not going to sign them, and see what you can turn all these, uh, these picks and these uh, pieces that you get into. Well, it should be a spirited Sunday skate. Fred from New Hampshire will be fired up early Sunday morning at uh, 7 a.m. on WEEI. And, by the way, a game against Tampa, who is their most likely playoff opponent, before you got to yeah. make that deadline decision. So, you know, let's see what they look like Sunday against T-Bay. 
Yes, it should be a good one. All right, man. See you Sunday. Talk to you later. DJ Bean, WEI.com's finest. I'm Ken Lair, Boston Bruins Postgame Podcast, presented by AT&T.